Welcome to Fireside with VoxGig, a podcast for professional and aspiring public speakers. I'm your host, Richard Roger, the founder of VoxGig.com, an online community for speakers and event professionals. We're here to help you get the most out of speaking, organizing, exhibiting, and attending. In each episode, we sit down for an intimate fireside chat with people in the public speaking community to learn how they have mastered the art of getting up on stage and speaking in front of an audience. If you're an aspiring speaker or just want to improve your onstage performance, this podcast will help you learn from some of the most accomplished and interesting professional conference speakers. And finally, before we begin, a quick shout out and thank you to simplecast.com, first and last word in podcasts, who have kindly come on board as our first ever sponsor. We usually feature top public speakers on the Fireside with Vox Gig podcast, but in this episode, we go to the next level and speak with a public speaking coach, who also speaks, of course. Peter Hopwood describes himself as a pitch and presentations coach, and he supports public speaking professionals at every stage in their speaking career. During our highly stimulating Fireside chat, he reveals that speakers can always learn something new, no matter how experienced they are. He believes that the biggest lesson any speaker can learn is resilience. Before we carry on, a big shout out to Simplecast, the first ever sponsor of our Fireside Box Gig podcast. Peter, it is great to have you here today on the Fireside Box Gig podcast. Welcome, welcome. I am so delighted to be here. I'm a big fan of Box Gig. A few of my friends, people that I've met in the past, have featured on this podcast. So I'm glad to be another one, actually. So I'm looking forward to this conversation with you. Fantastic. You're being sucked into the public speaking <laughs> mind mode. You're not just a public speaker, though. You are a uh, public speaking coach. I often ask people how they got into public speaking, but let's take it up to the next level. How did you get into coaching? Okay, so it goes back to about 20, a little bit more than 20 years ago, where I worked for a European company in sales. And a lot of that is standing up and presenting. So presenting to groups of people three or four times a week, pretty much the same presentation um, all the time. And I realized pretty early on that things I was saying, how I was saying things, the words I'm using, if I change them slightly, I get a different reaction. So using that, I realized that I could actually earn more money trying to um, manipulate my presentation, make it a little bit more crisp or changing different areas. And this area, I've just continued the fascination of how a set of behaviors, things we can do, can actually give us more of a chance, maybe increase our chances of success. So literally that, I I moved on, carried on with with training, corporate training, communication training, and then more towards presentations. And now it's, it's presentation skills, pitching for speakers. Speakers maybe that are already established, already getting paid to stand on stages. Um, around the world, perhaps, and also aspiring speakers who want to move forward, go to the next level, next step, really moving forward in their speaking career. How did you come to realize that your own performance or the performance of people that you're coaching could be improved? Was this something that just sort of naturally occurred to you or was this some motivating force? One day, somebody asked me if they, if you could help me to help them to do the things that I was doing as a presenter. I said, yeah, okay. let's do it. So. I try to help them and try to see the things that they're doing and try to match them. So sort of their mistakes, correcting them, polishing them and giving them a few ideas. Well, how about if you, if you say this in a different way, that probably will give more impact. Or if you move 
slightly that way when when you say this particular thing that can actually get even more impact so i've kind of developed this skill let's say of being able to identify and and see things that maybe as a speaker and it's true most speakers we don't see ourselves we don't we're not that aware of what we're doing too much helping them to to see the things they're not aware of so that they can actually move forward i shudder to think what you'd say of my talks do people hinder themselves too much especially if they've started speaking without being conscious about the skill is it easier to train somebody who's never done public speaking to reach a professional level than it is to take somebody who's been maybe doing it for a little bit and has developed bad habits that's a really good question and the answer to that well my answer to that my take on this is both areas can be challenging so what do you do how do you start correcting their issues the first thing is is really getting them to well my relationship with them is really important Mm. so a a speaker who's already established who's already on stage is often not always, but often the ego is quite high. Yes. We need too much. Yeah. Too much help. So it's the number one thing is identifying that you need some help or identifying that you want to move forward. And the only way you can do that is is getting someone to help you do that. You have to challenge them. Actually, yeah. And, and open to change is the main thing. Yeah. Right. So being aware is really important together with practice. So somebody that's starting out um, maybe hasn't had too much experience, but is really focused on on their self-awareness, really focused on, on the things they're doing to improve, they can actually move forward a lot quicker than perhaps somebody who is already an established speaker who does the same things every time, gets into the habit of the same things. And so the practice, the habit of it, gives them more confidence. They're, they're a confident, strong, world-class speaker. However, they're not that aware of the things they're doing wrong. Yeah. So I see lots of speakers on stage at, at events as an MC. Some of them are, um, are good. Some of them are, are, are not so good. And some of them are, are, are great. The ones that get paid to stand on those stages... The majority are pretty good, but not as good as they could be. Yeah. Their confidence is high. Their ego is quite strong as well, which is good. But they haven't really thought too much about how they can keep improving. Whereas somebody maybe starting out is listening to podcasts like this, looking on YouTube, reading books, focusing on the things they could be doing better, focusing on themselves. Yeah, you you have to get those establish speakers out of their comfort zone you have to get them to recognize they are in a comfort zone yeah absolutely and imagine like world-class speakers who are on stages around the world getting paid a lot of money and they work for big companies already they've got a big audience but the value they share on that stage is only as good as what they share when they're there okay so it's nothing to do about status nothing to do about whether they're in demand or not so somebody who's just started out and just you know, done a, a few gigs already, a few presentations, they can still hit the same value as somebody who's been doing it many years and getting paid. A lot of it is about mindset and about willing to change, being open. We work on that to start with. And once that is starting to flow, then it's a lot easier to suggest ideas. Do they come to you? Yeah, two sides. Some come to me, some ask me there and then, listen, after my speech, it'd be great if we could sit down for a few minutes and give me a few pointers on the things that you see. 
sometimes do that at all because they're in their comfort zone and then they don't really want to step out of it because they, they feel they're, they're good enough. Uh, and then others, you know, I will reach out to them, uh, give them a, 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 you know, a few ideas on, on what they could be doing or just, you know, openly, you know, while I'm, while I'm working, saying, say, look, I've, I've seen a few things that might help. Um, you can take them on board or not. It's up to you. Um, and let's have a chat. And often they say, yeah, okay, we have a coffee. Spend about five minutes with them. Um, and that gives them a chance to kind of learn a few things and feel whether they want to take that forward and, um, and maybe work and collaborate together. Okay, so let's go back to the case of someone who hasn't much or any experience of public speaking. And they've obviously excelled perhaps in some other area and their boss is now asking them to talk or they feel themselves that it's time mm. that they need to go on stage and, and they, they have a vision or they have a story they need to tell and they come to you. How do you start? What way do you approach that, that problem? Yeah, the first thing is really to get inside, to, get, to really to understand how they see themselves, really. The story in their head about them, you know, whether, you know, the things that that scare them about public speaking, things that they're kind of confident about. So it's a lot of it is about starting off a conversation and and understanding how they feel about about what they're about to do. And that would give me lots of indication, lots of signals on how to approach the next stage. So yeah, finding out whether they if they're often the anxiety levels are quite high, as we all know. Yes, yeah. And in everyone. It's a chat. It's a good conversation in the chat to really see what level of anxiety they're at. And then based on that, then we try to approach how we can start to reduce the, the anxiety, if the anxiety is the main thing. And often it, often it, it, it is, in fact. So, yeah. so that, that's where we start. People often have a genuine and interesting story to tell, it's, it's, and it's quite valid for them to be on the stage. The MC role is a challenging one. I've done that a few times myself, and it's bloody hard. <laughs> and I'll tell you why I found it difficult, because when you're talking about your own stuff, you know it. Yeah, absolutely. But when you're MCing, it's, you know, you've got to get the names right and the little descriptions and be yeah. funny on stage and do the segues, think on your feet. It is public speaking, but it, it, it's very different, isn't it? It's a different role. I mean, the first thing you have to think about and naturally in any kind of public speaking environment is is what are you there for? What is your role? And and, and as an MC, your role is is multiple. Your role is is really to create the right atmosphere, is to give to get your audience feeling like there's something, like they're in the right place. They're feeling good about what's going to happen. They're ready and excited and curious to hear the next speaker. So yeah, introducing speakers, making sure they're ready to, they're ready emotionally to hear the next topic and then threading all that through. So yeah. What I found challenging was, you know, handling, sometimes you have speakers who just pay no attention to the time limits. How do you handle that scenario? Oh, all the time. Yeah. All the time. I mean, listen, I think the key is, not the key, this is no key, but this is just an idea. This is something I, I, I do all the time. So I speak to them, having a little chat beforehand. Yeah, yeah. My preparation. I already know what they're going to talk about. I already know um, about them. So that, that having a chat beforehand just again makes gets them re- makes them realise that you know you're you're the person responsible for bringing them up, and you're the res- person responsible for 
for kind of ending their their time on on stage as well. So when I'm having that chat, the last thing I'll say is, you know, I'm sure I'm sure you're you're fully aware, um, but you know, we have a really tight tight schedule today, and it will be fantastic if you just uh, keep keep to the time right in front of you. You've got the book timer, yeah. and uh, I'm not going to pull you off because um, I, I don't want to do that, but. Please make sure um, you, you know, come off at the right time. Something I also ask them is, so I ask them one sentence every time. So I always ask them, okay, so can you tell me in one sentence the value you're going to share with the audience? Oh, wonderful. What are they going to get? So then they think, and then often the strong strong speakers who already know this, the, you know, the clear value and what, what the key takeaways are, they will tell me. And that key takeaway, what they say to me there, is so valuable for me as a speaker. So I already have, let's say, I already have what, they, what they've put on websites. I already have a kind of like a paragraph about what, they, about, you know, what they're talking about and a little bit about them. But the, the main thing the audience wants to know is that value. Well, when they say that to me, I then frame it a little bit differently and then share what I've already got together with that, and that often gives a good a good intro. And the, the, the myth about all this is the audience don't really care too much about the person speaking. So the bio of a person often we we, we read bios and they you know they've done this and that and yeah, it's a bit boring <laughs> credibility. But at the end of the day, the audience don't really care too much about that credibility. Yeah. They want to know what. That person is going to get give to them as value. So that so asking them that, and they give that give that sentence back to me in their in their own words is so valuable. It is valuable to sort of open your talk with a short bio or establishing credibility by saying you've done X or Y or or this or that. Mm. I tend to avoid that. Would you advise for or against? Trying to establish credibility. I would go straight into the topics of what they're about to talk about. Yeah. And then yeah. you wrap that up with the man that's going to share with that, share with you now the answers to those questions. A man who has X, X, and X, or done this, this, and this, he's about to stand on this stage and share with you now. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Mr. Boom, Boom, Boom. Right. Yeah. You're wrapping up something they're already curious about. And what do you do with a speaker that is obviously bombing or, I mean, perhaps having a panic attack on stage. I'm sure you've seen all sorts of things. Yeah, listen, I mean, yeah, whole, like, all shapes and sizes, really. Um, so the, if, if it really, if I can really see, okay, this happened once, only once, in fact. So, yeah, yeah, a, a young lady, uh, it was a FinTech um, conference about three years ago in Dubai. And um, she, I had a chat with her before. She seemed good. She seemed ready. Her breathing was good. It was all right. But there were no signals that anything was going to, you know, go upside down at all. But um, she started, and then her breathing—you could hear. So straight away, we can hear. There's often two things we can see in a speaker when we mm. when we see there's something not right. You know, when they're nervous and the anxiety is rising, it's. It's the anxiety in the body. So her movement, she was moving a lot and in the voice. So in the voice tells us so much. So her voice was very croaky. It was very dry. 
her breathing, you know, not not deep breathing at all. It was like very shallow breathing, quick, and it it was starting to you know to to affect the messages coming through. Yeah, yeah. She kept going, kept going, and then, and then she she stopped. She forgot her words a little bit, and the moment she started to apologise, which she shouldn't have done. Yeah, yeah. Then it was like clear for everybody and herself. That the mo- her being on stage there right at that point was not a good good time. So this is the only time I've done it. I've only done this once, but it yeah. seemed to work. So yeah. I, I then just went on stage. So without the microphone, I went straight up to her with my back to the audience, just in front of her, and I just said to her, "Would you like to go off stage and then come back? I think that would help." That's all I said to her. That was almost a suggestion of. You're coming off with me. But it was a nice, yeah. it was a kind of nice way to say, listen, let's just pause this and then, and then take it from here. So then she, she nodded and then she just came off with me. Right. I then pointed to that. I just pointed to the audio guys and then asked them to put some music on, which is a really good tip for, for any MC. So have a good, good re- relationship with your audio guys and oh, tell them yes. that yeah. if anything yeah. goes wrong, if there's an audio uh, mess up or, or the, the microphones don't work, or something, somebody falls down, or whatever it is, I'll give you a signal and just put that music on. Because when that music comes on, people then, you know, yes. they start to talk to themselves, and, that, and the focus is off the stage, right? So the music went on. There's yeah, not this, yeah, on. yeah, there's not this silence. The music went on, and then we went backstage, and I just said to her, okay, listen, you need to just breathe now, okay? So then together we were breathing. <laughs> I was doing it with her, together breathing. Yeah. And I said, listen, you've got this. It's all good. And then I said, listen, do you want to, do you want to carry on? And she said, she nodded her head. And then I said to her this one phrase. I said, mm. how do you want to be perceived from now on? Right? And she said, I said, look, just tell me like adjectives that describe the way, you know, d- describe how you want to be seen. Yeah. This yeah. is all backstage very quickly. This is in the like two minutes. Yeah, yeah. And she said, listen, um, I want to be credible. I don't want to look like a fool. I don't want to look strong. I want to look like somebody who knows their stuff. I said to her, look, just you. And then as she said that to herself, I'm nodding. And then she's feeling actually more confident just by saying those things. Because you, when you say things like this, you start to imagine things like this. Yeah. So she, she just kept thinking about this thing. We were nodding. And I said to her, listen, it's okay. Listen, we, we all mess up. This is fine. This is good. And you going back on stage now, that will show even more kind of resilience. And you, the, the audience will, will warm more to you than if you just stay. So I think, I think you're ready to go on. What do you, how do you feel about it? And she said, she was like, yeah, okay. Okay. Um, and then, and then I pointed to the guys at the audio. They put their music, the music on down slightly. And then, uh, and then she she came back on. And then as she came back on, there was a clap. There was an applause, so a gentle applause. Oh, wonderful! And then she said, "Yeah, she wrongly. I mean, don't blame her at all, but she wrongly looked back on what happened. She said, oh, you know, I apologize for going off, and no, but I'm going to continue now, and, and let's go back.' And then she continued. So yeah. the, the best thing to do there is." Is not to say anything. Is actually just to say something like, "Right, um, um, let's 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 carry on where we where we left off. The show must go on. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, that was wow. Yeah, there was, there was another one. I'm going to just throw another one in here. Again, it was actually in Dubai this year, and um, on a stage, it was um, a gentleman in his fifties, a credible guy. He knew what he was talking about again, and he was. Um, it was a very like it's almost always in Dubai, very hot indeed. Air conditioning was good, but still quite a warm, warm room. And he um, started to step back towards the screen, but between the, the stage and the screen back wall, there's a gap, a big gap. Oh, no. Yeah, you know what's coming, <laughs> Richard. You know what's coming. Yeah. So, oh my god. <laughs> so he then points, you know, to, going towards the screen, and he steps even closer to that gap, and literally his his step, his left foot step went into that gap and he reached out he actually reached out to the screen to try and you know help him not fall but clearly that doesn't help anybody not down a gap anyway and he fell down to the floor on his knees the audience a gasp from the audience i go straight over to him at the back in that gap on the floor his microphone is still on my mic is down. I've got my mic down, making sure no one can hear my voice. Yeah. And I said to him, listen, um, are you all right? And he's nodding. Uh, let's go off and sit down. We can do this afterwards. And he's, he was, um, he was like, no, I, I'm going to carry on. And I said to him again, you know, really, it's okay. Um, let's stop this. Let's pause this. Because it looked like, it really looked like a nasty yeah. fall. It was not like a, a small form. It was a. It looked like a really um, nasty um, fall on his knees. He then um, he said, "No, no, I'm going to carry on." So then he get he gets back up and he's like, you know, shaking himself down and um, sweating and and then he just went straight back into where he left off. I'm not kidding. Straight in. Well, absolutely, okay. absolutely the same momentum and the energy he had because it was quite good. He, he was a strong speaker. Okay. And he carried on. And I was, so I was watching him. I was, in, I was so intrigued by all of this. I wasn't really listening yeah. to what he was saying. I was looking at him and how, what's going through his mind and what, how is he feeling. Kept on sweating, finished up, wrapped up, clapped, you know, big, big, a, a large round of applause and came off. But the great thing is the, for the audience, when he got back up, and it's, he went into another minute or less than a minute. The audience really, I, I really do feel the audience didn't really, that fall did not make an impact at all. It did at the time, but then when he got back straight into it and started to share the value of what he was sharing, that fall was kind of forgotten. It was gone. It yeah. was gone. It was gone. Afterwards, I'm sitting down with him and he, he was in pain. He was, he was really in pain. Oh, you heard it. Yeah. Well, you would, I mean, you'd hurt yourself. Yeah. That chap there, I had never seen somebody with so much resilience and he did all the great things. He didn't say, Oh, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. You know, or, 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 whoops. And he made a joke of it. He, you know, he said, I'm not going to step back there again. And, and that got a little bit of a laugh. But that was the way to do it. You know, moving forward, not focusing on things that, don't go wrong. My takeaway from these two stories is, uh, I mean, this, these are possibly the two worst things that could ever happen when you're on stage. Okay, yeah, they are pretty bad. And they survived. Seen, and but... they were... 
Let's hear let's hear from your um, your listeners. The worst thing. The worst thing, the worst thing yeah, that possibly could ever happen that you've seen. We'll put that out there. Apart from the classic, you know, imagining that you're standing there naked. Just people having anxiety about going on. And, you know, will I freeze up or will I make a fool of myself by falling off the stage or something? And yet they both recovered. And the audience was on side. And the audience was, by the sounds of it, happy for them. Delighted that, that they were able to actually execute the talk. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it goes back to a phrase that I was told a long, long time ago. And it's so true. You know, your audience, they don't really, do they really care? about you do they really care about you know what they see you know if you fall down if you if you mess up or if you've got a croaky voice i mean do they they don't really they, they can feel sorry for you and, you know they might remember it as something funny or something embarrassing but at the end of the day um it's the value they want they want it's the value they're going to get from from what you share and if they get that everything else is is irrelevant Really, everything else is about as long as they get yeah. that value. Yeah. And so if, if there's anybody that cares the most about a presentation and about how it's delivered and who worries about it the most, it's not your audience at all. It's you. It's often, it's often, and not, not <laughs> always, but it's often, it's often us as we. And it's most of energy. Completely. Yeah. It's a little bit different, maybe when we're working. Maybe we it's for um, for our for our work, and when we've got pressure from our company or boss to make sure it goes well, and you want to impress. Okay, so then you've got your yourself and and your your boss's expectations as well, and the company's also. Your boss often isn't there. Often you're sent because your boss can't go. Yeah, yeah. often we, the, the talk in our head, that voice in our head, it can take us to places that we don't need to be. And, and we, we can hear things that we don't really need to hear. That's fantastic. And, and really great takeaway. I have one final topic I'd like to cover. Because you do voiceover work as well. That's right. Which is using your voice. And I mean, your, your skill in public speaking is part of that. But I'm just fascinated by what voiceover work is actually is actually like. How do you prepare for it? What do you have to do? Do you have to do multiple takes? Is it sort of Hollywood director style? How does it work? Yeah, sometimes. Uh, sometimes they're very small jobs where it's just you know a few lines uh, for a, for a commercial, or it might be um, you know for a full documentary about all different topics. Some very intriguing and some very not intriguing at all. So um, they're, they're, again, all shapes and sizes, but thing about voice is if there's one thing that is um, more of an influencer than anything else, more than how we look, more than how we move, more than what we say, an influencer in terms of our audience's perception of us is our voice. Our vo- think, about, think about this. So a radio, a radio show, or now, even now, um, listeners to this podcast, they may have seen, you'll probably seen your photograph maybe somewhere on, on the website. They might see my photograph as well. They may have seen me somewhere before, but majority haven't seen us at all. They don't know what we look like. They don't know how we move. Um, they haven't got, really got too much to go on apart from how we sound. And how we sound is so, so important in terms of, as I say, in terms of 
the perception of us. So you think about someone like, let's say, David Beckham, who's a clearly visually um, his appearance very strong indeed. Yes, yeah. I don't even know what he sounds like. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then then his voice um, is quite quite different to what we we see. And again, listening to somebody yeah. on the radio, morning radio show. Um, in Ireland, great presenters, you can almost hear, so you're driving in your car, you can't see them, but you can feel that, the smile, you can feel, you imagine what they look like, but often, that's the thing, often when we see them maybe on the red carpet or in a women's magazine somewhere, we see a picture of them, they look completely different to what we imagine. But we've imagined them based on their voice. Yeah, the voice is so, so important. So voiceovers, again, it's it's all about clear speech. The intonation is really important, the pauses. Getting people to really understand a message without anything at all, so nothing visual, just a voice. And with that voice, they have to create, we have to create an image for the listener. Yeah, and I, I mean, pauses are, are important. I saw on your... Um website you have a great article about pauses and how to use yeah, them. Yeah, pauses are so important. I mean they, they help us in so many ways. They help the audience naturally absorb the ideas, almost like chewing on so I if I share out an idea, they have to have time to to chew that idea, to understand that idea, and especially if they're they're non native speakers of, of English as well. Um, and they, they they have to be then be ready for the next idea. As a as a speaker, that gives us all we need as a speaker is something like, you know, you know not even a tenth of a, of a second to know what's happening next, to, to think about what's happening next. So a pause, that gives us enough time for us to think about what's happening next, what we're going on to next. So both the listener and, and you as a speaker, pauses help us do so many things, help us breathe as well. We've got to check that's enough time to take in a breath. And then we speak out on the breath. So, so yeah, lots of lots of benefits, and and really would recommend everyone, even um, you know, speakers who are well established and speakers aspiring speakers, to really work on on slowing down their speech. And when you slow down your speech, remember your your tone goes down as well. So slowing down, your tone will go down, and naturally in business, a lower tone gives us more credibility. So bringing that down, yeah. bringing, you know, bringing, letting the pauses flow and thinking, almost like thinking after each phrase, a full stop. So in your mind, phrase, full stop, breathe, and then on to the next one. So it's, it, seems, it feels natural, but it also gives us all enough time to remember and get the impact we want as a listener and as a speaker as well. That's marvelous. I'm hearing you do it as you're talking. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm thinking, I have to think about what I'm going to say. That's fantastic. That was a wonderful high note to end on. Peter, thank you so much. This has been absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much, Richard. And um, yeah, great, great to be on this podcast with so many other great speakers and coaches as well. And, uh, and I'll be listening to, I'll be listening to this naturally and also um, many of the others as well. Thanks so much. Fantastic. Great to have you. Thank you so much for listening. 
Just a few things before the embers fade and we wrap up another episode of the Fireside with VoxGig podcast. You can find notes and links from this podcast at voxgig.com slash podcasts. We also publish a weekly newsletter on public speaking, selecting the best advice and techniques from some of the world's greatest speakers, both ancient and modern. Rhetoric is an old and revered art, not especially easy to master, but a skill like any other, and one you can also learn. Visit voxgig.com slash speakers to subscribe. If you've enjoyed this fireside chat, please consider subscribing to our podcast. Please also leave a review that helps us make this podcast even better. If you'd like to contact me directly, please email me, richard at voxgig.com. If you'd like to be counted as a supporter, just let me know and I'll add you to our supporters page. And one final reminder to check out our sponsor, simplecast.com, who helped make this podcast possible. Till next time, remember, take a deep breath, pause, and step forward. <laughs>